So every time that we record, I have a coffee with me mm-hmm. to help give me the energy that I desperately need to do mm-hmm. this show with you. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just tell you about the glassware, the, the method of which I'm drinking this from today, because I think you might enjoy it. Have you become a fancy coffee person? Is this yes. what's happening here? Yes. Okay. So I have an iced coffee today that I made for myself, kind of in Ooh, an iced fancy. latte style. Yeah, it's very nice. And my receptacle is made of glass. Mm-hmm. And I have cork, like a cork grip that goes around the outside of that, you know, so I can make sure that I don't drop it, right? And if, if the, the, the drink inside is hot, I'm not touching the hot glass. Right. To protect your delicate little fingers. Yeah, I mean, they're the money makers, right? <laughs> right. Yes, of course. And I'm not drinking from the glass itself. I'm drinking from a straw. Oh. But my straw is made of stainless steel. Oh. I think you're beginning to live a very strange lifestyle, Mike. I went to the seaside and we went to a nice coffee place. And they served me a coffee with a stainless steel straw. And I thought it was the best thing ever. So I went straight to Amazon and bought myself a box of eight. Are there bends in the stainless steel straw? I have four that have bends in them and four that don't. (laughs) So I have four straight straws and four straws of a slight bend in them. I've only encountered one problem with the stainless steel straw. Uh-huh. Hitting my teeth against yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's not a problem with a plastic straw. As soon as you said there was one problem, yes, that is what popped into my mind is seems like you can injure yourself with this because you're not used to straws being objects of potentially cutting power as well like little thin edge mm-hmm. pressed up against you but it's it's making me take more care while i'm drinking my coffee you know which is it's kind of part of my process yeah. now you know See, yeah that doesn't sound like a good idea you don't why do you want more effort with your coffee drinking because otherwise it's just not worth it that makes no sense that doesn't make any sense at all <laughs> i have eight do you want one no no, sure? I, do not, I do not want one of your stainless steel straws. They even come with a little cleaning brush and in a, in a green oh, plastic Jesus case. Christ. <laughs> if, if there was any way you could have instantly made that infinitely unappealing, that was the thing. Yeah. To tell me that the straw requires cleaning. This did not, this did not cross my mind. Of course it does. I'm not like a Scrooge McDuck kind of person. Like I'm not just using them one serving and then throwing them away. <laughs> they're not the okay. They're not, they're not single use stainless steel straws. I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was more thinking that maybe they could go in the washing machine in the dishwasher. That, I'm sure that they can. I just don't mm-hmm. have one. Oh, oh, okay. You're one of those. I just can't fit one in the house. What do you want from me? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> One of those unfortunate people whose kitchen's too small. But you're up there in Grey Mansion. When my wife and I moved out of our first flat in London together, which was literally a single room mm-hmm. with bare partitions. I remember the door, right? right I remember right. the door. <laughs> and we, up, we upgraded to doors. Uh, one of my absolute requirements was, now now that we have more than like, five square meters worth of space between two human beings we absolutely have to have a dishwasher this is this is non-negotiable mm-hmm. there's no way this is not going to happen because i just 
I cannot possibly spend any more of my time manually washing dishes like it's the 1600s. Just... Adina is totally the gray in this situation. She is making a very similar demand. <laughs> we're gonna might talk about this later, but we're getting ready to move, hopefully, mm-hmm. to our own place. And the kitchen doesn't have a dishwasher right now, mm-hmm. but it has space for it and it has the electricals for it. So mm-hmm. at some point in the not too distant future, a dishwasher will be joining the household. But funnily enough, I actually quite like doing the dishes because it's a chore that I can do, which adds some real value. It isn't incredibly taxing, and I can listen to my podcasts while I do it. Yeah, but you could do other things. You could be driving American Truck Simulator while you're listening to your podcast instead. Yeah, but then I'm not contributing so much to the household. But you know what? You're not really contributing to the household now, right? A robot could just do this for you. You're just, you're just feeling like you're making a contribution here. This is like, oh, I enjoy vacuuming by hand. What a pleasant experience this is. It's like, or you could get a Roomba and the Roomba could vacuum for you. I think we're going to get a Roomba. Yeah, see? I really want one. Do you have one? Uh, we don't have a Roomba in our place, um, but we have someone who vacuums. So we, we have a human Roomba, I guess, <laughs> is what we have. I was going to make the joke, but thought I can't make that joke. <laughs> and I'm so happy you did. We could call it a Humba. <laughs> oh <Yes>. no <laughs> so listen you have to like this is like i know you, i know you just wanted to tell like a little funny story about your metal straws that you, you clean by hand with a tiny brush but really what you're just telling me is a story about it sounds like you don't value your own time very highly that you're, you're sitting around washing dishes by hand when there's a machine that could do it and I am, I am totally with Adina on this issue. There needs to be a dishwasher in your new place. In our place, there was no dishwasher either. And we are renting a place. It is, it is not ours. So any improvements made to the place are just like throwing money down the drain, except for the fact that we live there. So we actually paid someone to, to essentially like take out some of the cabinetry on the bottom of our kitchen, put in a dishwasher that doesn't even really fit because our kitchen is really really small when you go to open the dishwasher door it cannot come down all the way because the wall is in <laughs> no, the way this is, this is serious dishwashing hate over here right it is serious dishwashing hate so uh since i am like i'm very tall it's very awkward for me to kind of like get down on the floor basically only the top rack of the dishwasher is available from my perspective like i can't really access the bottom one it's super inconvenient so i just run the dishwasher you know, twice as much as I need to because I only use the top rack because that's the only one that I can fully access when the dishwasher door is open. But I don't care because I'm not washing the dishes. The robot's washing the dishes. So what does it matter if the robot has to do it twice? Doesn't matter to me. Dishwasher. You need to have one without a doubt. Don't spend your time like this, Mike. I hate that you just, in our show, have moved the priority of the things I need to spend money on. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? I'm trying to help you. She's going to hear this. Right. <laughs> and then the dishwasher is going to move higher in the priority order. Right. Because it's the correct decision. Yeah. Let's just be clear. Like, I'm not siding with anybody in an argument. I'm simply telling you what the better thing to do is. You're siding with your robot kind. I know what you're No, doing. I'm just, I mean, look, if there's more robots, maybe that's better for everybody. Um, but look, it's the right thing to do. So you need to get you need to get the dishwasher. It's it's like not having a washing machine for your clothes and spinning me some tale about how oh you really enjoy 
racking your underpants over one of those little bumpy things that you see in old movies where people are wa- I don't even know what they're called the washing boards Close, maybe hold- oh right yeah when yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean yeah yeah right you know you you're there with the barrel and one of those washing boards and scrubbing your clothes over that it's like if you were spinning me a television oh I enjoy listening to podcasts while I do that I, I mean you're just wrong right you're just spending your time poorly instead you should be spending your time playing american truck simulator and listening to podcasts because it's purely enjoyable i found one setback with the the straw method here we go okay that's the setback trying to get the coffee out of the bottom of the it's not as easy enjoy your straw mike it sounds it sounds like an improvement to your life (sighs) today's episode of cortex is brought to you by blue Apron, the company on a mission to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Yes, that means you, dear listener. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-proportioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. So you'll get all of the ingredients that you need. Nothing wasted is going to be fantastic. Everything that you're looking for will come in this box. You can customize your recipes each week based on your dietary preferences and choose a delivery option that fits your needs. There's no weekly commitment, so you just get the deliveries when you want them. And Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental United States. New recipes are created each week by Blue Apron's culinary team and are not repeated within a year. So there's tons of variety, stuff like spicy hoisin chicken stir fry with baby bok choy and sesame ginger cucumber salad, an eggplant and chickpea tagine with islander pepper, tomato, and couscous. Listen to all those incredible ingredients. You are going to get some new food that you've never had before and really expand your horizons with the ingredients that you're used to, with the food that you're eating, and you're also going to improve your cooking skills as well. With all their great instructions, they'll be able to help you step by step, and you'll be able to increase the skill that you have in the kitchen. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with fresh ingredients that support a more sustainable food system, you can make incredible meals. Blue Apron sets the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries and ranches whether it's japanese ramen noodles wild-caught alaskan salmon or heirloom tomatoes blue apron brings you the best check out this week's menu and get your three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com cortex so for free you will get three meals no paint for shipping either you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait. Visit blueapron.com slash cortex and we thank Blue Apron for their support of this show and Relay FM, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Cortexmas is actually officially over now. So like we had this we've had an episode which broke Cortexmas for the listener. Mm-hmm. But now this is Cortexmas is over for us. Because as yeah. you heard on the last episode, that was an episode out of time two. Out, out of timer. timer. And which basically was recorded such a long time ago that neither me or you could remember what we'd spoken about. Yeah. It was very strange. It, it, it was, as I predicted, the closest I think I will ever get to being able to listen to my own podcast in the way a listener does. Because most of the time when I'm editing podcasts or, or listening to edits... I know what's going to be said. Right? Like I, I, in my head, I know how this conversation unfolds. I know what I'm going to say. I know what the next person is going to say. 
And that's part of the process of, of editing, thinking about the sentences that are coming up, the sentences that just went behind, maybe how to rearrange things, maybe how to make them a little tighter. That's part of the whole thing. Whereas when I was listening to this one, when I was doing the, the, the final listen through, I just, I had no idea what was going to happen. Everything was a surprise. <laughs> oh, okay. I have no idea what's coming up. This, this me from the past it could be me from a hundred years ago. <laughs> I remembered nothing about that podcast. And I think it was in actuality three months ago, maybe two months ago. I don't even know. But yeah, it was a surreal experience to listen to that. The funny thing for me was when listening back and just shaking my head at how past Mike thought his summer was going to be awesome. It was awesome, but not as like as easy and simple as he thought it was going to be. <laughs> That poor guy had no idea. Yes, yes. That was, that was definitely the case, which I think is is always the case with when you try to project forward about what you're going to be doing, it is way too easy to underestimate how much stuff you're going to do, how long things take, how much stuff is going to take up of your time, and... Uh, <laughs> Again, I was just thinking of the past me in that episode, and he's talking about how he is going to be going to WWDC with you, which at that point was like a little secret. Yep, and it was so funny because you you were really <laughs> hesitant to admit it to just me. <laughs> yes, I was still in secret keeping mode there. But listening to that, I was thinking like, oh, you many months ago, Gray, you don't know how busy that WWDC week is going to be. You just have no idea. You're still imagining in your mind that it's going to be a relaxing time with occasional things to do. But you don't know. You don't know what's going to actually happen. (laughs) Also, we were living in a different reality then. You know, before we'd experienced the second reality, a virtual reality. Our lives are very different. That's true. That is very true. That is the pre-virtual reality experiencing us. That is is the big schism in my life now, pre-VR and Mm -hmm. post-VR. So, yes, (laughs) it was basically like listening to the tales of a dead man, right? It's like, oh, so long ago and so many experiences ago, you were just like a totally different person. One of the things that made me shake my head about myself is I was talking about um, carving out more time, you know, like to have quieter days and busier days. You Mm -hmm. know, I still had the busy week and the quiet week, but I was talking about how my Thursdays and Fridays, I was trying to keep them as busy, as, as empty as possible. Mm-hmm. But since then, I've now filled them up with new projects. <laughs> and I was listening to myself and be like, oh, that was a nice time. So you no longer have the, the busy week and the not busy week, where I'm on the not busy week and everybody else is on the busy week. Everything's just the same. I now have a busy week and a busier week. Hmm. What do you think about that, Mike? I don't like it. I don't think it's a good development. No, it's a bad development. So it was, you know, how we were also talking in that show about like approaching, you know, we've we've gone past the halfway point of the year. It's time to mm-hmm. start thinking. So like I'm I'm inches away from grabbing my iPad and opening Notability. I actually nearly did this yesterday and writing out all of my projects and working out where they go next year. Mm-hmm. You know, w- what things have to be adjusted, how they're going to be adjusted. Uh, and I'm also th- I'm thinking about some other stuff, like just from a business perspective, not just like all of the shows that I'm on, but what parts of the business do I maybe need to adjust so I can free up time for myself, that kind of thing. So that that is, uh, huh, funnily enough, 
in all seriousness, 2017 is going to be the year of less comma me. Oh, is it? I think so. Hmm. So let me a- ask you then. So I'm a bit unclear. This this situation that you have made for yourself, yep. where you have a busy week and a busier week, is this? Are you planning on this being a temporary thing until the end of the year, and then 2017 will be nothing like this, and you'll get back to your busy week and less busy week, or or I, not? I don't think I've got the specifics nailed down. All I know mm-hmm. is I want to change the current situation. Mm-hmm. So I want to get it back closer to busy week and quiet week. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the problems is I've started one new weekly show and mm-hmm. it's taking up more of my time. But even within that, I'm trying to work out ways to limit those types of things and uh, and, and maybe look at some of the other stuff that I do and see if there's any adjustments that can be made to the frequencies there. Um, like I did at the start of this year where I just adjusted the frequencies of some of the shows that I was recording. So I need to do that again, but maybe, maybe I need to be a bit harsher about it. And maybe, as I said, I need to look at some things that aren't just recording time. Mm-hmm. Things that are business time. Or even things that are production. Maybe mm-hmm. I need to change some production processes as well. So this is it. You know, I, I, I'm going to live with it for now. Plus, it's been a personally a super busy time for me since mm-hmm. June. And I'm thinking that is adding a lot of weight onto this as well. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like that's the case. I mean, I know there's a bunch of stuff going on that we will uh, get to in a little bit. But I, I, what I'm just wondering is, how did you walk yourself into the busy week and busier week? Did, was it Was it one of these cases where you just keep slowly adding on one project at a time and then when you look in the when you look in the rearview mirror somehow at the end of the summer all of a sudden you're realizing that you have blocked away all of what was previously free time like is yeah. is that how you got this this situation pretty much and this hmm. is it, it is me it is my eternal struggle of being excited about something mm. and just doing it mhm um and and that has added more time in. So one of the things that I've done, some people may know this about me, some may not. I am a fan of professional wrestling. I have been since I was a kid. Um, I, I know it's fake. <laughs> you don't need to tell me. Or as we like to say, Gray, predetermined. Predetermined, okay. So the things that you're seeing are actually happening. It's not smoke and mirrors, but there is an outcome at the end. I treat it like my soap opera, right? That's how I think of it and etc. Like, I don't need to get into this right now with you. I love how pre-defensive you are about this like i can i can hear you're trying to shut down all the things that people are going to say and my feeling is always there's no explaining what people like or what they're interested in it just is (laughs) so mike likes wrestling Mm -hmm. deal with it people it's called my podcast is called the ring post i'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested go check it out anyway uh (laughs) ringpost.fm if it's your if that's your bag but anyway so i did that now this this is a new weekly show of mine and i've been trying to do some fun things with it and record like multiple times in the week like i can't i can't keep doing that that's Mm. one thing and then you know i i'm just it's been a busy time where we've had the membership stuff Mm -hmm. so facilitating all of that recording the extra episodes editing the extra episodes you know spending 15 hours on our episode Mm -hmm. you know i've i've had just some extra stuff going on recently so now as well next year i know that i need to structure that time a bit differently in august Mm -hmm. Um, i thought that i was doing a good job pre-recording things early but i need to maybe start recording them even earlier than i thought so it's just i've learned some lessons but there are just some things that i'm adding in 
which are j- just too much. I, I've, mm-hmm. I, I've overloaded myself again, I think. And it's, it's super easy to do because this is, this is a problem with creative people. And again, in the broadest possible sense of, of making a thing, whether that's starting a business right, or creating a podcast or whatever, if you are making something in the world, I think by definition, you have to be a person who gets excited and interested in things way more than a normal person does because that that is the thing that motivates you to to start creating a thing that's new and so i think if you are of that bent it is very easy to keep adding on more and more projects because like you get you get excited about things we've spoken about this in the past that you have that feeling mm-hmm. but you seem to have a better internal barometer of letting them go so far before you stop and how I don't know how you do that. Like once I have an idea, like the idea of having a show about professional wrestling has been something I've wanted to do for a long time, mm-hmm. and I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? There was no question in my mind. Like I love talking about this thing. I want to talk about this thing with my friends, and I want to make a podcast out of it because that's what I've always done. You know, all of my shows come from a love of talking about something with the people, and and I couldn't not do it. But you seem to have some kind of barrier that something has to get through. Like you can be excited about something, but you take it so far and then you stop. And I don't know how you do it. Well, for me, it's easier with external projects or, or, or things that are new. Like, like we discussed a while back, you know, I, I was getting pretty close to doing something like a, like a video game review YouTube channel. And then I shut that down. I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't going to happen. Uh, and part of that is is thinking through the, you know, the the maximum benefit, maximum reward of a project like that. But it doesn't mean that like I haven't spent a bunch of time on it. And I think with external projects like a new YouTube channel, or say doing another podcast, or uh, getting involved with businesses, right? These are all kinds of things that, you know, sometimes I say yes to these decisions. Sometimes I say no to these decisions. But I try to think about, like, the risk, return, reward. Like, what is the best possible way this could go? What, how much does this look like? What it's going to take up with my time? So for new stuff, I find it relatively easy at some point to sit down and seriously think about it and, and to cut stuff. But to be perfectly open with you like the my version of your podcast stuff is that some mornings when I go into work and I go to write there is something that I am really excited about or something that's really on my mind as a thing that I want to talk about in a video and I'll end up spending uh, you know an entire morning or maybe two days working on a script that ultimately doesn't go anywhere Right, but it's like, but this this thing has kind of like taken over my mind for a while. I'm really thinking about this thing, and I end up writing a whole bunch of of stuff that that ultimately goes nowhere because I eventually decide, oh, I don't want to do this video, or it just it just isn't quite working out. But I have no ability to really say no mentally to those kind of things. It's like, well, you you arrive in the office, and whatever it is you want to write about, whatever it feels like, this is the thing that you're going to write about, that's what you're going to write about. Like, you don't yeah. really have a choice in it. I, I, I get that, but, like, my point is, like, you still are able to stop it, right? Like, you don't keep going. Like, 
Because many mm. people could be like, ah, oh, this isn't working. I need to start again. Like, you know to stop. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's a kind of... Um, it's a kind of focus on a sunk cost fallacy that, you know, just always keep in mind that the hours you have put into a thing and the resources that have you you have put into a thing are meaningless. The, the, the only thing that matters is thinking about the future hours and resources that you're going to put into a project and what you can expect the return is going to be. Maybe it's just because I, I don't really, uh, <laughs> I don't really value my past self very highly <laughs> and whatever he has been up to or whatever he has done. So maybe that's why I find it a little bit easier to let go of projects or to have been uh, writing something for a few days and then to realize like, oh, this isn't going to go anywhere. Just forget it and just just leave it and not and not feel like I am going to spend the next three weeks massaging this into a thing that is ultimately publishable. Like I'm, I'm very happy letting stuff go. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Another thing I wonder is the difference in our attitudes towards the things that we do. So... Mm. Like I was, I started podcasts as just a fun thing, like mm-hmm. my hobby, like the thing that I love, and then it ended up being my business. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you necessarily feel that way about YouTube videos. Like it was always intended as like a business endeavor first. Mm-hmm. So like I have this like once I have an idea for a podcast, I'm like I got to do it. But mm-hmm. then when you have an idea for a video, like it gets so far, and it's like this doesn't make business sense anymore. Mm-hmm. So, like, it goes back to the original feeling about the thing. Where for me, it was like, this seems like it was going to be so much fun. i got to do it. <laughs> I don't care if I make any money. You're passionate about what you do, Mike. I do. It's a real fire in my belly. It is, it is your strength and possibly your ultimate downfall. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, when you go to a job interview and your strength's your weakness. Uh-huh. This, this is it for me, right? My strength is my weakness. Right. <laughs> I'm too focused. That's my problem. <laughs> I don't know when to stop working. <laughs> I am too strong of a leader. Uh, I am too much of a team player. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How's your summer been? I know you've been on graycation. Well. Oh, by the way, I have to mention this, and just because it's such a good joke, where I called your vacations a graycation, right? Mm hmm. And you called mine a Mike-gation. Mm-hmm. Why yes that on the Reddit said, surely you mean a Hurley day. How good is that? <sighs> that causes me physical pain. It's so good. That's how we know it's good, because it hurts you. <laughs> I, just, I, don't think, I don't think that's the barometer by which we measure if things are good, is that they cause me pain. <laughs> I do not approve of this barometer. This uh, barometer well, is wouldn't. no good. You wouldn't. No, of course not. Uh, I don't. I don't think I can use Hurley days. I don't, I'm not sure I can bring myself to do that. We've discussed how my Hurley day went. Mm-hmm. How did your graycation go? <laughs> uh, it went well. It went well. So what I had in mind for this hashtag summer of lots of travel and not fun summer. You keep changing it. The thing about hashtags is they have to be the same. <laughs> keep changing them; it doesn't work anymore. No, I think it's it's fine. There's Twitter's really good about that kind of stuff. I'm sure they'll ah. just they'll auto merge it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, boolean searches. <laughs> yeah, it's, it'll be perfect. Um, my whole frame of reference was last summer 
not the summer most recently passed, but the summer last summer. Yeah, you really you really helped narrow that down. That explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm aiming for maximum clarity here, Mike. You're doing a great job. <laughs> It was a disaster that summer that had passed that it was not the most recent summer. Do you mean the one before the one after the next one? No, no? that does not sound right. That no, does, it that doesn't, sounds doesn't. wrong. No, that's wrong, Mike. You, you're not, you don't know how to do this. I'm not Leave it to the professionals. It. Yeah. <laughs> so that summer didn't go well because I did a terrible job of managing work and personal life and a bunch of other things. And so my, my goal for this summer was... It needs to be better. It needs to be better than last time. What's better? Better is is measured by do I feel worse after having take a, taken a vacation or do I feel better after having taken a vacation? And when I came back from vacation two summers ago, I ended up coming back feeling frazzled. Like I, I did not feel like, oh, what a great break I had. This was a fantastic time. I ended up feeling like I did everything poorly. I did work poorly and I did vacationing poorly. And it just, it wasn't a great experience. It ended up leading into like a grumpy September gray who who had returned. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't a good situation. So this summer, what I mean by better is, it's, it's almost measured by a kind of like a, like a mindfulness or, or a presence in the moment so the, the feeling is, whatever I'm doing this summer at that moment, that should be the thing that's on my mind. I shouldn't be also having other stuff in the back of my mind. And I, I would say for the most part, I was pretty successful this summer. It, it fell down a little bit towards the end of August when work life started to intrude again but for the most part i was able to have the feeling of uh, like being at wwdc i am at wwdc this is really the only thing that i have to think about or that i have to focus on or again for the most part i was at vidcon and it's like this is what i'm focusing on i'm here at vidcon let me do this thing and then later in the summer it's i am with my family and Again, not entirely, but mostly I'm able to focus on this thing, right? And then there's a family reunion that happens later on. It's like, am I able to focus on this thing? Again, mostly, not entirely. This is where work starts to intrude like a little bit, but it's still relatively minor. And then and then after that, like my wife and I uh, went on our own to Las Vegas for a bit of downtime. And it was like, yes, I'm able to to focus on downtime here for the most part. Whereas last year, again, I just felt like I was trying to do everything at once, vastly, vastly overestimating how much could possibly be done. And this year, since I cut down the number of videos that I would theoretically be working on over this course of time, and of course, I cut down the number of podcasts I was doing, I was much, much more successful in being able to be present in the moment for the things that I was doing instead of always having something running in the back of my mind about like you need to be thinking about the next podcast and what are you going to be talking about and you need to be thinking about the videos that you need to be writing and what like what are you going to do about that I was able to mostly kind of calm that and and move that out of my mind for the vast majority of the summer again only falling down slightly towards the end of August but 
So I, I, I would say it was mostly a success. I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the way things went. Yeah, it sounds better. Sounds way better. And you were gone for a long time. So the fact that you were able to manage it that nicely is good. Yeah, it did. It did work out. I, I think, again, what, one of these things is really trying to just really trying to know about yourself and to make accurate estimates about yourself. And, and one of those things that I just couldn't ignore when I was thinking forward to the summer was the sheer number of flights that I was going to be getting on and just recognizing that like that kind of stuff is surprisingly draining for me that there's and any day that involves any kind of plane travel I, I just have to write off the possibility of even doing work because it's just like it's just not going to happen because I know I'm going to be thinking about the flight for the whole time until I get on the plane and then since I'm going to be moving locations like I kind of spend the rest of the day like settling into wherever it is that I am it's like you can't possibly do podcasts on any of these days you're never going to do any kind of quality writing on a day like this so just looking at your calendar there's so many days that you're flying you just have to knock all of those off and then also the thing that I have to recognize is both times I went to America, when I was coming back to the EU, I would be coming back from my favorite time zone in the world, California time, which is just horrific for me for jet lag when I come back. Like it always knocks out a real week before I feel like a normal person coming back. And again, it's like it's it's easy to look at an empty calendar and to be able to overestimate how much it is that you're going to do or to think that days are like normal days. But I was really trying to think about that upcoming summer, think about things like people that I was going to be interacting with and just accepting and really understanding how much time and focus and energy does this really represent not how much you want it to represent and try to plan for that? And as always with these things, even when you think about that, there's always going to be more that happens than you expect. And you're going to be able to do even less than you think. So it's like just trying to just trying to plan for for all of that. So know yourself i guess is what i'm trying to say here and i feel like i did a much better job of knowing myself this summer and i think i will will do an even better job of knowing myself next summer about how to how to work and how to not work and how to do greatcations i need to know myself better it would appear <laughs> uh, well you know like i said it's it... well here's the problem i know myself mm. but i ignore what i know well, that's... That's a whole different situation. Well, I mean, if we imagine a, Mike Hurley as a black box, knowing yourself and ignoring what you know about yourself from a black box perspective is functionally equivalent to not knowing about yourself. So mm. I don't really give you any credit for that. Okay. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm not looking for credit. <laughs> that was... I was commiserating. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let me talk to you about FreshBooks. FreshBooks are helping small business owners save time and avoid the stress 
that comes with running their businesses. Me and Gray talk about running businesses all the time, right? That's one of the main things about this show. We talk about how we get our stuff done. We talk about some of the things that are difficult and tricky for people that are self-employed. Invoicing and getting paid for your work can be one of them. This can be an uncomfortable thing to do, especially when you're starting out, right? Because you've got to send people invoices for them to pay you. So what you really want is a tool that can take away a lot of the pain. So for example, FreshBooks makes it super simple to create an invoice. It takes just 30 seconds. Seconds. You can put your logo on it as well if you want, so it'll be all nice and professional. It integrates with a bunch of services like PayPal and payments by card, and so you will make sure that you get paid quickly. In fact, FreshBooks customers get paid five days faster on average. Some of the really awkward stuff is if you send an invoice and you're not sure if somebody's looked at it and you've got to send that uncomfortable email to check that they've got it, FreshBooks does that. You'll be able to see on the site, on the invoice itself, you can see if it's been opened, if it's been viewed, if it's been printed, and of course, if it's been paid. You can also set up automatic late payment reminders too. So just come from FreshBooks, they're done on their own, you don't even need to worry about it. I love FreshBooks. I use it every single week to send out my invoices at Relay FM. I can't imagine ever needing another tool. It gives me everything that I need. Great support, tons of third-party integrations. They do expense tracking in the US and reconciliation stuff. It's super, super simple. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day free trial to listeners of this show. If you send any invoices, I want you to go and check this out. You don't need any credit card to sign up. This is an unrestricted 30 days of use. Go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and enter cortex in the how you heard about us section so FreshBooks knows you came from this show. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for sponsoring Cortex and Relay FM. Part of the problem I have had this summer mm-hmm. is a huge disruption in my life. Oh, um, yes. Which has taken place over the last few weeks. Yes. And that is a second job that I've taken on, <laughs> which is trying to buy a house. Hmm... It seems like buying a house, I don't know, I have this irrational feeling that buying a house should be like buying anything. Like, How hard can it be? All I want to do is add house to cart and check out. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. That's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while I do look at like property price apps, you know, to see houses in an area because I'm curious about this kind of thing. I do feel like all of those real estate apps where you can browse through the houses and you're like, oh, here's here's a house. It's like, yes, they should have a little add house to cart at the bottom. Like, yes, I would like to buy this house. Uh, can we just can we just do this? Can I just press a button and like mortgage approved and it all just it all just goes through? But no, it sounds like from your experience uh, that it's not nearly it's not nearly that simple. No, it's a nightmare. Um, I can't imagine doing this on my own like me and Adina buying this house together is the only thing that's able to keep me sane because she is a very detail oriented person and is reading all the paperwork and spending time on it like things that I don't want to do but while she's doing a lot of that stuff there's just more that's happening in your life and it really does feel like having another job because it's adding stress Mm -hmm. and it's like a new job It's like when you start a job because Mm -hmm. everything you're learning is completely new Mm -hmm. and then you're dealing with a ton of paperwork, right? So it feels like when it starts, it's a new job. Then it starts to feel like a job that you're settled in with because you then have to start chasing people (laughs) for things that you need. And Mm -hmm. this happens by email and it happens by phone. You start getting a bunch of emails that you don't want. And the problem that I have found is 
you have this new job that you have to pay a lot of attention to and it takes up a lot of your time but you're still doing the job that you have already as well so i'm working two jobs right now so this is part of the background radiation behind the busy week and the busier week is also essentially you feel like you have a whole other job trying to find and buy a house yeah it's it's a real big thing and something that's making it a little bit harder for us. There are a bunch of circumstances around the house that we're buying, which means that we, from putting in the offer, have one month, 28 days to buy the house. Mm-hmm. This process usually takes 12 weeks, three months mm-hmm. to do, and we have to compress it to one month. So it has been fast paced and action packed exciting i'm sure it is exciting it is Uh it's also terrifying Mm -hmm. um it's terrifying when you are Mm self-employed to think about owning a home you know that is a scary thing to think about and it's something that i am coming to terms with and trying to come to terms with and i'm sure that's going to take a little while why do you think it's particularly scary when you're self-employed like, what is what is the thing that keeps Mike up at night? It's on you. The money that you make is on you. Mm-hmm. Now, there is as much risk of me getting fired from a job as there is from my business falling to pieces, right? In fact, if anything, I would say it's less likely for my business to fall to pieces because if something's going wrong... By and large, I can know about it and maybe try and fix it, right? Mm -hmm. And if something's going wrong in the company you're employed by, most of the time you can't do anything about it, right? It's not even in your view that there's a problem. Even if there was, you probably couldn't be the one to fix it, right? Right. Companies go bust. It happens. And then if you work for one of those companies, then you're in trouble. So in that sense, like, okay, maybe I have a little bit more security in a weird way. However... The money that comes through the company or the money that comes to me, I'm responsible for making a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know, d- d- running, the, you know, running this company, I'm responsible for the directions that it goes in. And that is scary when you then have to couple on a financial commitment and a home and a right. mortgage payment that you have to meet every month. Right. And having people rely on you to bring that money in so you can continue living in the house, right? That is a very, very different feeling. It is a feeling, I didn't expect this, quite close to what it was like when I originally quit my job. Hmm. Because it is the, this shit just got real feeling, (laughs) and it's all on you now, buddy. Yeah. That's how it feels. I I can definitely sympathize with that so like i don't even know if i'm how much more busy i really am Mm -hmm. but everything feels more busy so like i've noticed a thing this week where i've felt that this week that i have been jam-packed and my calendar says so that i've had lots of stuff on and my task manager says i have lots of stuff on however this week every day i've got my task manager to zero which is not something that usually happens Mm -hmm. usually there's a couple of things left that I move to the next day but I've been clearing my tasks more and I don't fully understand what's going on here either I am overworking because I feel like I'm busy Mm -hmm. 
or I'm more correctly planning things, or this is just like a freaking nature thing. I don't know what is the cause and effect is here, but all I know is I feel like I'm busier and I'm doing more stuff. It's very strange. And I don't actually think that those two things are connected in a weird way. Like, I feel busier and then mm-hmm. do more work. It's not that I'm doing more work and then feeling busier. You think the busyness is causing you to do more work? I think maybe. <laughs> Which is very strange, right? Yeah, I don't understand how things work in your mic mind. No, I I think it's like the stress of knowing there's so much stuff on is mm-hmm. pushing me to work longer hours. I think that might be what's going on here. Right, because things are real. You have a deadline with this house. Yep. It has to get done and it's all on you. So somebody has to stay up and do all of these things. Because maybe like the, the the fact that I have this insane deadline of a house is making every deadline feel tougher. <laughs> right? It's like deadlines mean something. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is actually a deadline that means something. Yes. I, I do. I do find that one of the things that you learn in life is many deadlines. They're not really deadlines. There's, there's actually very few things that are real deadlines. The things have to happen by a certain date. Many deadlines have a kind of squishiness to them. But it seems like this house deadline is a real deadline. Like if you, if you don't hit this, you lose this house and then maybe you start all over. And that's not something that you want to do. No, so you have to that get this start stuff all done. over is one of the worst start all overs you can be at. Right? Like you lost the house go back to jail don't pass go don't collect 200 pounds it's really stressful man i'm very sorry that it's stressful for you mike i'll give a little background like i've never rented a place you know so like there's a lot of new things here for me like even just like going to look at somewhere you know i i live at home right now and and i will be moving straight into a house that i own Mm -hmm. so there's so many new things happening right now like i've never well i moved once in my life you know um, and I wasn't controlling the move. My parents did that. So like, oh, you mean move once just as as a human being ever? Like yeah. From, from born until now, until this moment, yeah, well, you have it, moved once. Technically, it's twice, but I don't remember the first one, right? Like, okay. But, you know, we moved to the place that we're in now about 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't in control of any of that, right? Like, everything right. was just done around me. But, like, this is, like, everything. Everything's on on me on us and it's just a really strange thing and it it is playing into a problem that i have of uh, a feeling of busyness stressing me out you know when i've spoken about this on the show in the past where like i feel like i'm busy and i'm like get super stressed out about it when i sit down and work out what i actually have it becomes a lot more manageable i think a lot of people like to sit down and write out a list of the stuff you've got and it feels better um but this time i actually can't do that because I can't write out the house buying process because every day new things are happening that I cannot foresee. So when I, you know, when I put in my to-do list, buy a house, I have no idea what that means, right, right. until the moment that it's done. <laughs> yeah, this feels like one of those moments where you know, so- someone's going to chime in, like, oh, you just crank the getting things done methodology, right? And you just think, well, what's the next physical action I have to take? It's like, you know what? For some big projects, especially projects where there's, just a huge cloud of unknowability around them it, it it's not that simple nope <laughs> right it's like you this is the problem of unknown unknowns that you don't know 
what you don't know. Yep. And and that makes that makes estimation and difficulty level just meaningless. It's just just throw it out the window. You have no ability to know how hard this is going to be or how long it's going to take or what needs to happen because you don't know the steps that you don't know because you've never bought a house before. I have a great example of this. Mm -hmm. This week, we knew that we were expecting um, information from our solicitor, Mm -hmm. lawyer. We call them solicitors here. And this was going to be a bunch of information about the property, contracts and stuff like that that we'd need to look over. So we were expecting these documents to come through. They sent 50 documents. Right? So I knew this paperwork was coming through. Uh-huh. I didn't expect 50 documents that we had to read. Uh-huh. Did you read them, Mike? I didn't. Oh, okay. Adina did. <laughs> so when you say that we had to read... Oh, I have a stack to read. It's just not the full stack. Oh, okay. They have been vetted now. And uh-huh. I have been given a, this is the thing, you have to read this. Read it. That's what I've been told. Uh, I'm very grateful for this. But it's like, even the amount that I have to read is more than I thought. You know, like I have like maybe like 15 things, 15 documents I have to read. I thought oh we were going to get like five. Mm. Right? So this is like, you cannot plan for this. But then right. even in the back of my mind, I know I'm not reading all that stuff, but it's there in my head, right? It's this thing that is there that needs to be done. I like that you have just admitted on the show that you have been handed a, a pre-screen, like, please read these things. Oh, I'm so lucky. List of things, but you're still not even going to read those. The thing is, right, I, this is the thing. If it was on me, those, not all those documents would be read. I would have read an amount of them because I couldn't find the time for it. like i mm-hmm. within the deadlines that have been set for us there's no way that i would be able to do that mm-hmm. and it's because adina is amazing and she will stay up till very late doing it mm-hmm. but like i just can't bring myself to do that because and it, it adds into the busyness feeling right well like my brain like i'm doing it right now my brain is saying you can't there's no way you can do this right yeah, right. this this is the thing. There there is something eating away at your mind, even if you're not actually doing it. Yep, it, it's still consuming some part of your brain that worries about it and contributes to the feeling of busyness. It this whole thing is just crazy. But by the next episode, we may own this house, which is amazing. I'm gonna have an office, Gray. Ooh, you're gonna have an actual dedicated podcasting office mega office is what it's called mega office yeah i've given it the name mega office i have a pinterest board set up called mega office wow where i'm adding things in i'm looking at ikea catalogs Ooh. i'm looking at smart home devices i'm very excited that's what i'm excited about i'm excited about mega office that is exciting. That's the reason that you're doing this, right? To get a it space is, yeah. that you can make your own space. This is one of the key reasons. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting a two-bedroom place, and, and then I'm going to finally have an office to work in. And we're going to be in the inner rim. <laughs> oh, wow. You're really upgrading your life. There is a coffee shop I can walk to, which is just <laughs> good coffee. We, we, we went to view the house again yesterday, and I had amazing French toast at this place. There is a gym in our building, Gray. Oh, that's nice. We're, we are moving into civilization. That's what we're doing here. That's very exciting. We will be able to jump on a train and be in central London in 15 minutes. You can fantasize about how productive you're going to be in this new environment. It's going to be amazing. 
I'm going to do four times the shows and I'm going to be a bodybuilder. It's going to be brilliant. I can't wait. Well, it seems like a very good reason to buy a house then. <laughs> yep. I mean, in all seriousness, like it's going to make big changes to our lives in good and bad ways, right? But mm-hmm. I think the net result, I'm very positive that the net result of this is going to be all upside. Mm. You know, like we're going to be, have our own space. We're going to be happy in it. We're going to be back in in london again like closer into london so we can actually go do things i think it's going to make a lot of positive effects on our life but it's going to add some stuff too it's going to add i feel like a super adult <laughs> this is something that a friend mentioned this to me the other day the term super adult and that is how this feels like everything has gotten incredibly real we got engaged in between the time we recorded these shows as well right Oh, yes. Have we even mentioned that on the show? I don't know if we did. No. Uh, I asked Adina to marry me, and foolishly enough, she said yes. Uh, So, like, we're doing everything right now. (laughs) Congratulations to the two of you. But So this is what you mean by super adult, Mm -hmm. that you are engaged, you're going to be a married man, you're going to have a mortgage. I I guess you need, need like, a, a car payment next we're thinking about getting a car, yeah. <laughs> but that will also mean I have to get a driving license first because I don't have one. Because I'm a Londoner. Right, right. Why would you need a driver's license in exactly. London? You have no, no need for it. But we get a parking space. So mm-hmm. now we're thinking about getting a car. No, see, that's a terrible reason to get a car is because you have a parking Not space. Not immediately. First, we can rent out the parking space. Yeah, rent it out. That's exactly it. You have a parking space in London. It's like owning a gold mine. Rent that out. So we'll do that. But we are thinking about like eventually getting a car. You know, like we're we're moving head on into adult life here. Wow. How do you feel about that, Mike? Does it feel like mortality crushing down upon you? Or are you mostly excited? I'm mostly excited. Good. I'm glad you are. I haven't had the mortality feeling yet. Just you wait. Oh, yeah. There's documents, right? There's documents coming my way. Lots of life insurance paperwork and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. That mortality is going to be outlined to me in black and white. Excellent. Excellent. There is a lot going on right now. And I'm hoping that once I get through this probably year-long process, uh, I'll be back to... Uh, to a better feeling again. See, like, my feeling right now in my brain is, like, you are feeling really stressed right now. You have a lot of things going on. You have new projects and stuff that you're working on. But in 2017, mm-hmm. you hopefully will have got through a lot of this. So then you can start to relax. Oh, and then you got to plan a wedding. Congratulations. Right. Yeah. You'll, you'll be... Don't worry. You'll be through this in a short four months. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you're planning on here. At least the buying of the house will be done and yeah. we'll be moved in. And I'll have mega office, so what can go wrong? What can go wrong? And I can visit you there. It'll be fun. Yep. I feel like the lesson for the listener is to not do what Mike has done. Yeah. Take this as a warning. Yeah. If you're going to buy a house or do some other equivalently large unknowable project don't also take on a bunch of other new projects right before you do this that's a that's a bad idea you should do the anti-mike plan and try to pare down everything to the bare minimum if you're taking on a big project like this because it's going to be a second job don't do what mike did 
cut everything to the bone, then embark on a big project like getting a house. I feel like being self-employed is, is the key problem here because at least I know in my old day job, I could have just worked less, right? Like looked busy. <laughs> I, like how, I like how you said that, Mike. <laughs> you know, I could have just like looked busy for a while, and, mm-hmm. like, I, I, but also be working on the house stuff during my work day. Yep. Because I was running and starting a business whilst I was in my work day. But I can't really do that now because the output is directly responsible from me as the owner of the business and as a contributor to the business, right? So with the mm-hmm. self-employed stuff, it's like if I don't do the work, I don't get paid. But it's when I was in my old job, I could do less work but still got the same amount of money every month because I could hide it. So I think it's it, – uh, for me, I feel like at least with my own experience – this this house buying stuff is harder on me because of my working situation. Because if I would have still been at the bank, I could have carved out some time in my day to, to do and think about this stuff, more so than what I can currently do. Yeah, I agree with that. I was just trying to find, but I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to remember it now. Maybe I'll see if I can find it for the show notes. But I read a book a long time ago, which was uh, essentially about office culture, and it was particularly in the United Kingdom, but they were doing studies of essentially watching office monkeys all day and trying to figure out how much are they actually doing. And the main thesis of the book was that an enormous number of white collar employees are, are vastly underemployed that the the joke in, in office space where someone comes in and he's like, oh, I actually probably do about 20 minutes of, of real intense work in a day is like for lots of jobs, like that's not necessarily that far off. So this is the difference with being self-employed versus having a job where what you were saying before about the, the relative security of either. Yeah, I do I do think you may have a very good point that being self-employed in a bizarre way is actually more of a secure job. But the the advantage that an office job has is that kind of coasting yep. that you can do. Yep. Here's the thing, I can do that. I can do the coasting, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, I I'm not saying you you know, you just took a ton of time off, mm-hmm. right? Which is the equivalent of all the coasting, right? You took all the coasting that you would mm-hmm. do in a year and you put it in one block. Mm-hmm. And I could do that. You could do that. Like the business would continue to run. I could just stop things down for a while. We stopped Cortex for a bit, right? Mm-hmm. But I made yeah. less money. But that's but that's exactly it. It's like when you're self-employed, I I can put I can put a very exact number on like the opportunity cost of this summer. Yep. And that's a thing that you just can't escape from. And when you're coasting in an office job, that salary still keeps coming in and you can kind of, you can feel better about it when you're focusing on some other project for some other length of time. Like I had a busy, I had a lot of travel this summer as well. So I was happy for Cortexmas, right? For that, like Mm -hmm. it made it easier because I put a lot of work into this show. We both did. Mm -hmm. And, And it's probably the show that I put, the most time into mm-hmm. because of the way that we plan and the way that we edit and that kind of stuff but i need it to start again right now i'm at the point now where like show needs to come back because 
I'm buying a house. <laughs> can't keep, can't, Cortex was can't last forever. Mikey's gonna get paid. <laughs> so this is the house that Cortex built. This is what I'm hearing, right? Because we can't we can't keep canceling the show. We can't keep taking off for forever. Yep, we're we're actually naming it uh, Cortex Cottage. So. <laughs> Fantastic. I hope to see that above the door when I come and visit. Of course. Cortex Cottage. A million people wrote in to tell us that Microsoft have launched an Evernote importing tool. Yes, yes. Uh (laughs) So this is a tool written by Microsoft to look at your Evernote database, I guess, Mm -hmm. and import it, I'm guessing cleanly-ish, into OneNote. And I'm yeah. wondering if you have tried this at all. No, I, I haven't tried this. And I, I received what, what seemed like all of the messages in the world from mm-hmm. people letting me know about <laughs> this importer, <laughs> which, which to me just seemed like one, one of these prime examples of, I don't think you understand what my problem is. <laughs> And while, yes, I did complain about the lack of an importer, I think I also made it pretty clear on the show that I tried very hard to make Microsoft OneNote work for me, but its fundamental structure of notebooks with tabs is unworkable for the way that I want to use it. It's just too clumsy. I I, I tried it, but it's like it is not designed for hierarchies in the way that I need it to be. So. It's like I'm, I'm very I'm very glad for lots of people that the, that the OneNote importer exists on the Mac. I'm very happy for everybody, uh, but it is it is of no use to me. What was what was much more useful was the feedback that people sent with regards to Evernote about tags, which we touched on briefly last time. That there are different ways to think about organizing your data in Evernote with tags as opposed to using notebooks, which is what I, what I did. And at this point, I have spent a, a pretty considerable amount of time oh my. reworking my Evernote system from notebooks to tags in a way that Evernote was clearly, uh, I don't want to say grumpy with, but it's like, boy, has Evernote spent a lot of time syncing between all of my devices. Uh, going through all, all of these changes um but so yes this is this is what i have mostly moved toward at this point i think i'm about 80 percent done i'm going to guess with trying to convert everything into tags and it's workable as is as is always the frustration like i, I find evernote is is just really clunky on ios so i have essentially had to do all of this on my computer um and I'm just using Evernote on iOS to save things, but I can't really organize things on, on iOS with tags. But it's like, you know what? Th- this is one of these cases where I'm, I have to weigh the pros and cons of trying to move to a dis- different system. What do those systems have? How do they work versus sticking with the way Evernote is and like making it worth work with tags? And so my conclusion is, at least from, from playing around with it for a while, is that like, yes. The tag solution is workable, non-ideal in very many ways, but it is workable and far less of a time investment than other things would would be. So even though I gave that huge rant about Evernote, and even though I am still concerned deeply about the future of the company, this is this is one of these cases where 
I'm going to be sticking with it. I'm going to use tags. And, you know, if, if the day comes when Evernote gets shut down or acquired, which is often the same thing in the software world, uh, like that's, that's future Gray's problem. Uh, that is not current Gray's problem. He can deal with that. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that guy has lots of time on his hands. He can fix it. Well, he's got nothing planned right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The calendar is clear in 2019 open. when <laughs> Facebook buys Evernote. <laughs> I had spoken about my system, you know, like Evernote being basically just about the holiday planning for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I have taken some trips. I wasn't using Evernote at all. Mm-hmm. And I have been completely happy with saving PDFs to Apple Notes and writing out some uh, information about my trips into Notes. Mm-hmm. I have found it to be a great system. I'm very happy of, with it. So I'm moving away from Evernote completely. <laughs> so, so you are probably one of the throngs of customers who has decided that the alternatives are cheaper and adequate compared to Evernote. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Gives me great confidence in the future of the company. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> there was this article that uh, got sent to us about the fact that they're kind of stabilizing as a company. Mm-hmm. Like they did this big, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal. I'll find it for the show notes. But it seems like Evernote is making money again and they've stripped down and they've gotten rid of a lot of those crazy benefits that we've spoken about. Mm-hmm. And they seem like that they're getting a bit, they seem very confident in the in the future of the company. I remain unconfident, <laughs> but I'm happy that they're confident. Yeah, I mean, I make jokes, but I, I genuinely hope that Evernote does well. Yeah, because you're still using it. Yes, because I'm still here, right? Exactly. <laughs> because this particular rat has no, has no exit from this particular ship, so I really hope this ship is doing well. <laughs> We've spoken in the past about the strange ways in which things can happen you know you've spoken about this in the past about videos like you have an idea for a video and you see it in other places Mm -hmm. something weird happened uh with youtube life the youtube simulator game oh the one we talked about on the episode out of time to out Out of timer and we spoke about two things we spoke about youtube life and we Mm -hmm. spoke about pewdiepie's video about youtube life Mm-hmm. the YouTube simulation game. PewDiePie has announced that he is making his own YouTube simulation <laughs> game, and he announced this about two days after we published the episode, which, to make it even funnier, was recorded months ago. <laughs> That's what I like the most about this, is we released the episode, a couple of days later this happened, everyone's like, oh, you just spoke about this. But we recorded the show in June. <laughs> right? right? It's very weird. But yeah, PewDiePie is making his own game. It's called Tuba Simulator. Uh, I'm very excited to play this because I bet it is going to be hilarious. Yeah. Right. We, we spoke about this, but not this at all. We were talking about a different YouTube simulator, not PewDiePie Simulator. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a funny thing. I think he's I think he's put out some other game before, if I'm if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, he had a, an iOS game called Legend of the Brofist. Ah, okay. okay. Which was like um, an, an action-adventure side-scrolling game. Yeah, I, th- I will be curious to see what he puts out with this. And I, I don't know why, but I just, I just have a feeling like it might be ridiculous and fun. 
I, I, I'm basing this on nothing. I, I have no experience with this, but it, I can totally imagine that after putting together that first video that he did where he was talking about YouTube simulator, which I still think is a magnificent, strange meta video. Yep. I, I can just imagine that this got under his skin. Like I can see how this, this would happen where he would keep thinking about like, how would I make a YouTube simulator? And also if he would do any kind of return on investment calculation, it's like PewDiePie making a YouTube simulator game. That's a gold mine. Yeah. Right? Like, there's no way if he puts effort into it, like that that's not incredibly successful. So it would, I can just see how it, it would be a thing that would be stuck in his mind as an obvious project to do. So I'm going to be very curious to see what this is when it comes out. Also, like, this is not important and not really news, but since we spoke about that and I watched that video, I've been watching quite a lot of PewDiePie videos. That was one thing that stuck out to me when I listened to the episode Out of Time 2, Out of Timer, was I referenced in there not really watching very much PewDiePie. And since... Since watching that YouTube simulator one, I've ended up watching more and more of his videos. Well, I bet that what happened to you is what happened to me. I started mm -hmm. getting them suggested to me. Exactly. And then I watched a couple of them. And then I decided the type of PewDiePie video I like, the type that I don't like. Mm -hmm. And then I've just started cherry picking them out. But I've been watching them more and more, like a couple a week at least. And he posts like every day, basically. Yeah, this is this is the power of the YouTube algorithm in action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like, hey, you watch one PewDiePie video. We're going to pick the most probable ones that you will probably like. Yeah, that's the weird thing is everyone it suggested I loved. But then when I started watching them all, I didn't like them all so much. The algorithm knows better than I do what I want to watch. And what, what I have learned is I don't really have any interest in watching his videos that are about video games or him doing video game playthroughs. And I never realized that he does a bunch of videos that are vlog-like. Yeah, I like stuff about his life. Yeah, I think those are those are really well done. Those are interesting. And it, it just confirms to me what I always suspect because PewDiePie ends up being like the butt of jokes because he is the number one YouTuber. But even even back when I didn't watch him very much, I thought like, well, but you don't get to be the number one person without being good at what you're doing even if it's not a thing that everybody likes. And and I feel like just doubly confirmed in this of, 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 yes, of course, the person who is the number one YouTuber is good at creating engaging yep. content. Like he, yep. he, yeah. he cuts together vlogs and talking about his life or, or what's going on with him in a very funny way like he's he's very good at it he i mean he had this whole drama with trying to get his diamond play button the, from those youtube were the videos that got me sucked in yeah and th- those videos are hilarious you need to put them in the show notes mike but of, of him like arguing with youtube and he, he's like bragging about all of his subscribers in this very funny way like he's he is just capable of producing captivating yep. video even if you don't want to watch everything that he does. And I can see why lots of people wouldn't like him, but you don't get to be the number one person just randomly. And and lots of people always make jokes like, oh, he's just an idiot who's making videos about 
video games and just like dumb lucked his way to number one. Like, I think that's what lots of people on the outside seem to think. It's like, that's, that's not how this stuff actually works on the inside. It's like, of course he's talented. He has to be. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, the conversation is kind of ridiculous in the way that like two old men discover PewDiePie. Right? Like it's, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, but I will say another video of his that I really, really loved was when he did a video about when there was that YouTube bug or something that was clearing out subscribers. Oh, yes, And he lost, yes. like, 27,000, and he was going crazy and, like, demanding his subscribers back from YouTube. It was mm-hmm. brilliant. If you don't... In case you don't know this, like, you might not know, but PewDiePie has 47,625,000 subscribers. <sighs> so that's why 27,000 going missing is really funny. Exactly. <laughs> because he got really upset about it in the video, right? It's, you know, his stuff is is weird in places, but there is a lot to be enjoyed in there. And do you know what? I think he knows this, right? I mean, again, obviously he does. He's super smart. He makes different kinds of videos for different people. Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting model. Like, I, I, I see a lot of channels that try to do a bunch of different videos, and I think that they often don't work, but it seems like he's able to pull it off really well to have very different styles of videos and to have them mixed together on his channel in in a in a seamless kind of way where it's and and maybe this is again the strength of the youtube algorithm that that the youtube algorithm seems to know that i'm not super interested in watching him play video games and doesn't seem to suggest those videos to me very much and mostly suggests the more vlog-like videos to me this guy pewdiepie he's he's got really good youtube videos you should go check him out let's send him some (laughs) cortex love right yeah, exactly. Help give this guy a good kickstart. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the part where we like slowly and awkwardly spell out his name for people. Right? That's what we should do. P e w d i e p i e. There you go, PewDiePie. Go check him out. Yeah, kid's really talented. Yep, he's gonna get. He's gonna go places. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code CORTEX at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you, because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. If you're working on the next big project, that next big idea, you're going to need a site that looks professionally designed. That's what Squarespace can give you. It doesn't matter what your skill level is. It doesn't matter if you've ever built a website before or even if you know one line of code or not like me. I have no idea how to code in HTML and CSS and that's why I've used Squarespace for years because they give you all of the technology that you need, all of the -the state-of-the-art technology to power your site, to ensure security and stability and to build it as well. They have beautiful templates. Everything's drag and drop. You can make your site look and feel exactly how you want. If you need any help, they have 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have a fantastic commerce platform to allow you to sell physical and digital goods. They have rock-solid fast hosting and so much more. If you do know what you're doing, if you are aware of all the Cody stuff, you can use Squarespace's dev platform to dig in to the code and tinker with your site. And then you'll still benefit from everything like the fantastic commerce platform. You'll get the live chat and email, the rock-solid hosting. You get all of that. It doesn't even matter. Their plans start at just $8 a month. And if you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name as well. 
Sign up for a free trial today so you can get a real feel for what Squarespace can do for you. You don't need any credit card to do this. Just go to squarespace.com, and then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CORTEX at checkout, and you will get yourself a lovely 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting Cortex and Relay FM. Gray, let's do a Caretex question. Ooh, we have a Caretex question. No, it's Caretex. Isn't that what I said? No. <laughs> You say it with a K at the end. Yeah, CareTech. No, that's CoreTech. That's the other one. Is that the other one? That's that's the technology one. Yeah. CareTechs is the caring one. Yeah. CareTech. No. Let's do it. Okay. Um, oh, I think, should we use it? Should we get people to send these in with the hashtag CareTechs? No, Mike. You're tr- no, no, no. Don't do this, Mike. You're okay. trying to get this too complicated. All right. You're trying right, to make right. this way too complicated. Let's just do... Cor- hashtag as Cortex for a second I totally forgot what it is <laughs> I'm just a bit rusty yep. it's been a while you can remember all the names you give like Cortexmas anything else and it all goes out the window Evercore is my favorite elephant butt Cole wrote in with his hashtag Cortex question no I shouldn't do that no, don't mind no Mike you're gonna mess the people up I read it wrong <laughs> Cole wrote in and said I'm currently working on some side projects, but I'm not making any money from them. I just graduated from college, but my degree doesn't relate to what I am doing with my side stuff. Should I go and get a high-paying job that relates to my degree, then quit when I'm able to make money from my side projects? Or should I just get a simple job at McDonald's to get me through and work on my side stuff? Hmm. This is a very interesting question. Because the answer is is kind of unclear. So to kind of boil this down to the essence, right? Cole has a thing that he likes to do. That thing has nothing at all to do with the degree that he's just spent years getting. But that degree can get him a good job. Mm-hmm. But it's not what he wants to do. What he wants to do is what he's doing on the side. So mm-hmm. do you either get a high-paying job, which probably also means high-stress and time job, or get a simple job... So you haven't got anything to worry about, and then just keep working on your side stuff. That's how I look at this question, because there's some trade-offs here. You know, your stress and time and money. There are big factors in these two, and it's deciding where you want to sit on either side of those problems. Yeah, what are you going to do while you're supporting yourself, working on your side projects? Now, I actually at one point uh, sort of faced this question, uh, not in quite the same way, but uh, we mentioned a couple shows ago about how I was a teacher and then took a break for a while while I was trying to get side stuff spun up. It didn't work out the first time, and then I had to go back to teaching. But at, at that point, my wife and I did have a few discussions about essentially this, like, we have no money, we need some money. Uh, But do we, like, should I just get a simple job or should I go back into teaching? Like, which which way should I go about it? And I went back into teaching and I feel like my gut response, as always, is a little bit tricky when you don't know the exact details. Like, what is the college degree? What are the side projects? But my gut feeling is I would say go for the high-paying job that relates to the degree. And I have a couple reasons for this. The first is I think it's 
probably easy to underestimate how taxing like a simple job would be. Uh, I, I think it's it's easy to think like, oh, it's it's a thing that's not necessarily going to take a lot of my mental time. But I think I think any job is going to be big blocks out of your life. Yeah, but if you're working in a high stress job, you're probably mm-hmm. taking work home with you in your brain. Mm-hmm. If you're working in McDonald's, I don't know if you do that. Yeah, that that is that is definitely the advantage of McDonald's. There might still be things that play on your mind, right? Like company politics are still there, but I don't think you're going home and worrying about the deadline on the project. Yeah, that that is without a doubt true. Right, the the advantage of a simple job is that you leave the simple job at work. And everyone I know who has worked those kind of jobs has said that is the best part. You work as barista at Starbucks, and when you come home, that's it. it. It's just over. You don't have to keep thinking about it. And your time is probably fixed as well. You don't stay late to get the project done so much, I don't think. Yeah, you don't. That is also true. That is also true. The the other thing, though... Okay, this is it's not a simple thing to decide between, but my feeling about the high paying job is I feel like there are more potential advantages there. One of one of which is possibly you can save more money so that you can leave it with a bit of buffer sooner if one of the projects seems like it's paying off, one of your side projects. The other thing is I also just, without knowing the details of the job, I just, I think that there is the possibility at a more complicated job of picking up skills that might be useful in the future. Whereas at a simple job, that is probably not going to happen. So I don't know, my my gut feeling would be take the high paying job and I would do side projects in the morning with the best part of your brain and then go to that job. That's what I would think. But it feels like, Mike, you're on the other side of this. I feel like I definitely was until you mentioned the skills part. That's a really good point that I hadn't properly considered because when I think about my abilities to talk to and deal with businesses now, that came Mm -hmm. from working in a corporation. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know the language to use, the terminology to use. I wouldn't know any of that stuff. I could take a good stab at it. The reason that I could probably live with it in a corporation was because I had a good handle on just communicating with people anyway. But it's more forgivable if I get something wrong whilst in a company because I might just upset someone, but whatever. But if I upset someone or do something wrong in the business, then that person might never work with me again. Exactly. There are worse consequences. Exactly. And and this is a skill that at least in uh, my observation of your working life is an incredibly valuable skill that you have. Yeah. That, that even though the listeners hear the public side of you, which is on the podcast, like an enormous amount of stuff is behind the scenes stuff, working with sponsors, working with companies. And you do have you do have these skills of talking to companies that to me seem like magic incantations that you know the words to say to make things easier for the person on the other end or to help get stuff done and that's an example of a skill that you learned on the job and so 
I mean, look, the, the other the other flip side of this that is the unpleasant thing to think about is also the possibility of failure, right? Side projects might never go anywhere. If you have a bunch of side projects, you're increasing your odds of success, but you can just be unlucky and have a string of side projects and none of them ever pans out. Or the ones that you're working on right now won't work. There's something later that will but you'll be more demoralized when you feel like you've wasted your time with a simple job. That's a possibility as well. So I, I view the like risk-reward balance here that the high-paying job related to the degree is the way that I would go. You can possibly marshal more resources, save more money as you're going along, in the high-paying job, it is more probable that you will learn skills that might be useful later on or that you'll simply, in the process of doing that, come across something. And actually thinking about this, just like you, know, you, you had the skill of talking with businesses, I think when I was working as a teacher, like I definitely refined my ability of explaining things oh, to people yeah. over yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can right? teach people. Like that's that's a thing that I got better at by doing that. And if I had taken a job as a barista for those last two years when I was doing side projects that eventually turned into YouTube, like I'm not sure it would have been the same effect. You might have made some really good coffee videos though. I might have made some really good coffee videos. This is true. There is one thing about the money, though. Mm -hmm. The more money you make from your job, the more money you have to make from the side projects. This is the this is the main downside. Is not only that, but there's a certain amount of I'm going to say possibility of complacency. Yep. With the high paying job. That you're right, you, your side projects have to be more successful before you feel like you're going to want to leave them because we're again getting into loss aversion territory here. That if you have a good salary and you have a side project that starts making money, you're going to be hesitant to give up that good salary to dedicate more time to the side project. And as a person who is clearly very motivated, mm -hmm. a simple job might drive you crazy. It is also very possible that you will go crazy in a simple job. Cole, I don't think we have a good answer for you. I think I do have a good answer, and that answer is to take the high-paying job. I think risk-rewarding it, thinking about it, thinking about the possible outcomes, I feel very strongly that my advice is the high-paying job. Well, I'll refine it and say clear. I don't think the answer is clear. I think there's a lot of caveats. Mm -hmm. I, think I'm, I think I'm leaning towards the only thing I know, right, mm -hmm. which is... I didn't have a very high-paying job, but it was a professional position. It was a high-stress job. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of problems with that. You need to go into this job, if you take it, setting some boundaries for yourself about how long you're willing to work, about how much you're going to let it affect your life, and you need to try and keep those things in clear mind. And also, if you're starting the job, save immediately. Cut yes. down the amount of money that you're living on immediately put that like work out the minimum amount and live to that i think both me and gray didn't do this and it made it harder for us but if you're starting from step zero from college money mm -hmm. live 
frugally. You can save money so you'll be able to support yourself later and then you won't need to make as much money from the side rolls. I give this advice to anyone who is in college right now getting ready to take their first job but they have this thing that they want to do. Save money. (laughs) Save it. (laughs) Yes, and and keep living cheaply. Yeah. Like you are more used to that and it is it is easier to just continue. <laughs> definitely definitely do that. Good luck, Cole. Good luck, Cole.